Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. I'm excited for what lies ahead. Amen. So if you're ready for the word today, repeat after me. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now, with prayer and fasting in mind, I want us to go to Acts 12, verse 5. And you can look it up, uh, whatever type of Bible you have. I know all the young people use you version. And I had a challenge with them. I said I could use my Bible faster than they could to get to the different verses and look up and everything. And I lost. So these young people are very quick on their cell phones or their Bibles on their cell phones. Uh, And they were getting that. So I was quite impressed. It gave me a new respect for this younger generation. But what is interesting is that even if you're going well in many areas of your life, If you're failing in one, it makes you feel as if you are failing in all of them. Are you with me? We could be winning in so many areas, but if we, you know, if we got like uh, one area that we're not winning in, it feels like every area is a loss. And in Acts 12 verse 5, the Bible says that Peter was in prison, but the church was praying. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Still with me. So, listen to you, I really want to say this, if you're new to church, you can talk in this church, all right? So, if you amen, then amen, you know, it makes it a whole lot more interesting, I believe, when we are engaged. Amen. So, you can say things like amen, or preach it, or, you know, for me, that's really good, it encourages me, just don't say anything discouraging, all right? But... uh, We're going to move forward. In Acts 12, the church was experiencing a major setback in that moment. And here's the context of what's happening. The book of Acts is the story of the birth of the church. So the church was a brand new thing that was happening. And Luke, who was a doctor, was the person who wrote the book of Acts. And he shares some of the big wins and some of the major victories that the church had, such as Peter preached and 3,000 people came to faith in one day. Not over a year, the power of a day. 3,000 in one day. That's a big church. So if you don't enjoy big churches, you're going to hate heaven. Amen? And you would have hated this first church because it was really, really big. And it kept growing. That's my prayer for the rock. So they were having all these huge wins, but in chapter 12, um, it tells us about a major setback that was taking place. Verse 1 through to verse 4 lets us know that James had been killed by Herod. That is James, the brother of John, who was a key leader in the New Testament church. And so this brand new church with all their followers of Jesus are moving forward. They're doing everything, you know, trying to get their leadership structure in place. And then James was killed. Herod did this because he was an illegitimate king. Most people don't know that. He wasn't born a Jew, but rather converted to Judaism. And the only thing was that according to the law, to be king, you had to be born into 
a Jewish family. So he did everything he could to win the favor of the Jewish people. And he saw that when he killed James, he gained favor with the people. So he was like, well, I'm gaining momentum here on, on, on this thing. So I'm going to go after Peter as well. So he imprisoned Peter and was going to have him killed as well. And then two major leaders in the church would be gone. But the night before that was about to happen, we get to the story in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter is in prison, but the church is praying. There is power when the church prays. The Bible says Peter was in prison, but the church was praying. The word but there isn't the preposition. It's a conjunction word. A preposition is supposed to show the relationship to something. But a conjunction shows the contrast between two things. Are you with me? The contrast. So the church was showing the contradiction between two things. Peter is in prison and the text could have said and the church was mourning. Peter was in prison and the church was worried. Peter was in prison and the church was deciding who would do the funeral and who would make all the arrangements for it. Are you following me? And that would have been the natural flow for many of us and even for many churches today. Peter was in prison and the church had gone underground. But the church in Jerusalem decided, no, no, no. We're going to be the contradiction to what the current circumstances are. Here's what I want for you at the beginning of 2024. I want to encourage you to be a walking contradiction. Did you hear me? I want you to be a walking contradiction. I feel overwhelmed. But the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will fill my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. You know, it's already started off bad this year. Oh my goodness. But I serve the God of the breakthrough. Anybody with me? I want you to be a walking contradiction. Peter was in prison, but the church decided to pray. Here's the deal. You get to choose. You get to choose to overcome your circumstances, to determine, I'm going to be a walking contradiction. The picture that is being painted right now may not be favorable. The situation I'm currently dealing with may be rough, but it will not overcome me. No, no, I'm going to be a walking contradiction. I'm going to determine to believe the word of God and not just believe what I'm seeing or hearing. I'm going to believe what God has said that I should do. Peter was in prison and the church could have responded in a whole lot of different ways. But it says they prayed. They prayed. Now, if you believe that there's no power in prayer, then you won't pray. So this lets us know how the church felt. I'm sure there was like some worry. I believe there was concern. James had just been killed and they knew that that was the plan for Peter as well. So they determined, we're going to make a choice. We are going to pray. Why? Because they knew that there was power in prayer. 
Whenever tough times come, the church went to battle. They didn't go to battle the way that the world does because they knew that they were fighting a spiritual battle. And so can I tell you, some of us are trying to fight spiritual battles with worldly weapons and you will never ever win. Your life is spiritual. You are a spiritual being having an earthly experience. And everything about your earthly experience has a spiritual component. So you must learn to fight the battles this year with spiritual weapons. Did you hear me? You've got to fight your battles in 2024 with spiritual weapons. They believed prayer was powerful. They believed it got results and it would accomplish something. So they started praying. And some of us think, you know, it's just throwing words out into the air. No, no, the Bible says in James 5.16, the effect of fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, it accomplishes something. When you work, you do the best you can. When you pray, it's the best God can do. And there's a very big difference between the two. So they went to battle, it says here, in prayer. It says that they earnestly prayed. And the word earnestly is used another time when we read how Jesus prayed in the garden when great drops of blood came from his forehead. It says he earnestly prayed. There was a passion in his prayers. There was some volume. There was some intensity that was there. And it wasn't about personality, you know. It was a desperation. It wasn't, well, you know, I'm a Presbyterian and, and you Pentecostals are so loud. No, it was, you know, there's, there, there's something happening in my life and I desperately need God to intervene. I need Him in my situation. So I am going to earnestly pray. I believe everybody has some, you know, situations in their lives where you could go, I need God to intervene. I've done the best that I can do. And you know what? I've just come up short. I need God to intervene. Listen to me. When you earnestly pray, I'm telling you, it's the kind of prayer that God responds to. That's when he moves. Why are we doing seven days of prayer starting in a couple of weeks? So we can earnestly pray. That's why we're fasting with it. So we can say, God, would you move? God, would you please do what only you can do? It's about coming into agreement with him. To see him move in our life. Because agreement is a powerful thing. Matthew says that whenever two come into agreement, whenever they have the same opinion, whenever they come in unity, it says God hears and God moves. The problem is some of you have come into agreement with everything the enemy has told you. You may not say it outwardly, but in your heart you've come into agreement. You've adopted the opinions of everybody around you and what the world is feeding you. You've adopted the opinions of what, you, what, you, what, what your feed is showing you on a daily basis. You've adopted the opinions of what the news is telling you to believe. 
Everything is bad. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket. You've adopted their opinions and I can never break out of this relationship and it will always be this way in my life. You know, I'll never ever get the healing that I desire in my life. I'm always going to be struggling with, with this addiction that I've got. You, you, you can tell it in the words that you use because some of you, listen, I'm just, I'm just wanting you to, to break your agreement, the agreement you have in your life on some issues. And some of you, you call things yours. My addictions. My anxiety. Who said that was yours? My bad marriage. My lack of discipline. My... Why are you coming into agreement with what the enemy has spoken over your life? Did God say that that was your addiction? Did God say that that was your anxiety? Did God say your marriage has to end like the way that you think it's going to end? You know, did God say that your life has to be purposeless as you move forward? Why are you calling it yours? Listen, I'm not saying it's not a struggle in life. No, no, no. There are big struggles in life. But I will come into agreement with God and say, no, the peace of God that surpasses understanding will fill my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. No, he's got good plans for me. They are to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. No, I will live to tell of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will live and I will not die. I am the head and not the tail. I am the first and not the last. God will prosper me. Somebody, you need to break the agreement you've come into because it's with wrong things. Stop agreeing with the devil. Amen? Is this too much for the first Sunday back? <sighs> you with me? All right. Why are you agreeing with the enemy? Why are you agreeing with the words of death spoken over your life? Why are you agreeing with what your ex said about you? Why are you agreeing with what the devil's saying? You'll be single the rest of your life. You, you know, you're not valuable. You'll never amount to much. Nobody wants you. Why are you coming into agreement with that? Well, it's what I see, Mark. Faith isn't about what you see. It's about what he says. And you've got to learn to get your eyes off what you see and get your eyes on what he says. Well, how do I do that? Through the word. When I pray the word of God, I come into agreement with him. That's why this is so, I believe, such a powerful church. That's why we pray at the beginning of the year. It gets us all into agreement with the word of God and it stops us from adopting the opinions of people whose lives we don't want. Somebody said to me, well, so-and-so said this to me. I like said, huh? Do you want their life? Why do you listen to their advice? Stop adopting the opinions of the world and adopt God's instead. And prayer does that. But the church wouldn't have needed to pray if Peter wasn't in prison. It was the pain of prison that moved them to pray. And it moved them to pray earnestly. 
In other words, it moved them to pray in a significant way in their life. And so I'm not saying that if you come to the seven days of prayer, you'll have a pain-free life. I'm not. I'm saying that the pain you're facing may be the very thing that lifts your faith to the place where God wants to take you in your future and in 2024. I'm always amazed at how two people can enter the same situation, walk through the same thing, but come out completely different on the other side. Why? Because it's all about how you respond to pain. How you respond to circumstances or the difficulty that's before you. For some people, pain causes them to get stuck. But for others, it causes them to pray earnestly. So I want to challenge you to not get stuck in 2024, but to pray earnestly. Because when the pressure is on, what is inside comes out. And when the pressure came on the church, what was in the church came out. And that was that they earnestly prayed. And I hope that that would be the response of our church. That when the pressure comes, we don't run to complain first or get angry first or to gossip first. That we don't run to take an offense, you know, or, or stress about it or isolate ourselves, puff ourselves up. I'm not even going there. But my prayer is that the first thing we do is we move forward and say, we're going to, to rally together and we are going to pray. We're going to believe God to do something in the situation that we find ourselves. It'll either paralyze you or you run to him in prayer. And some of you have been paralyzed for too long and you can get unstuck and that happens in prayer. I've learned faith begins to build when you pray. It may start out dry. It may start out even faithless. There have been honestly moments when I've prayed just because I knew it was the right thing to do. Not because I felt like it. Not because I was full of faith and, oh, let's go pray. No, no, no. But when you show up again and again to pray, where you were paralyzed, all of a sudden that area starts to get feeling back. And eventually you come to a place of freedom. But you have to keep showing up. So the church was under this great pressure. James had been killed. Peter was in prison and was about to be killed. And what did they do? They prayed. Imagine the pressure that Peter was under. They've killed James. Herod is now going to kill Peter the next day. I mean, you're lying there. Is that pressure? In prison? Here's what the Bible says. Acts 12, 6 to 12. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. What was Peter doing? He was sleeping back row. Are you sleeping? We're being spiritual in church. Today we're sleeping with Peter. <laughs> Between two gods. <laughs> my wife and my mother-in-law. <laughs> Hallelujah. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. 
He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left. The angel was like, I've got you this far. You've got this. Move on. So Peter had been chained between two guards. He was literally between a rock and a hard place. And I wonder if you've ever felt that. You know, layers of multiple things going on. Fear and anxiety. Hopelessness and stress. Lack of direction and, and, and lack of peace. Maybe hurt and betrayal. Maybe pain and hopelessness. And we can all act spiritual, but we all have to walk through real life. And I understand that real life is layered. And the Bible said in the middle of that, Peter was sleeping. And the church was praying. He had peace in the middle of that prison. He knew he was probably going to die the next morning, but he was not anxious. He wasn't worried. He wasn't stressed or depressed. There was no sleeping tablets around in those days for him. I just took my mind the name of the sleeping tablet. But anyway, Zonix, Xanix, Zolanix, something. Didn't exist, so it doesn't matter. Stop asking me these questions. I don't know the answers to those. All right. But anyway, he was there and he was just sleeping. God hadn't done anything yet. Think about it. He's sleeping. God hadn't set him free. God hadn't delivered him. But Peter still had peace. Why? Because the church was praying. And Peter knew something I think a lot of us forget. And that is, God is already in our tomorrow. Did you hear me? God is already in our tomorrow. He didn't know what was about to happen. But he did know that if he served a God who was big enough to be in his tomorrow, then why should he worry and stress about it now? Because the God that was with him today had already gone before him into all his tomorrows. And I just want to say to you this year that when you're in the middle between pain and hurt and stress and anxiety, because life is going to happen in 2024, you can still have a peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that makes the world look at you funny. What? Why? Because the God that you serve is already in your tomorrow. And the Bible says that in the middle of, of that, Peter is sleeping. And then the angel of the Lord shows up and comes to get him. But I want you to know that Peter was, listen to me, Peter was delivered. He didn't escape. Get that. He was delivered. Delivered. Now, some of us don't turn to prayer. We figure it out. You know, we, we, we strategize and we get an escape to the situation that we are in. And then we call it God. 
We manipulate it. We buy our way out of it. We network our way out of it. We arrange relationships and circumstances and, and, and situations. And when we've done all that, then we say, whoa, look what God did. No, you did that. That's called escaping. And if you can escape it, you can get back in it. But when God delivers you, nobody can take away what God has done in your life. And I'm praying that in these simple seven days of fasting, starting the 28th of Jan, for the Fed, ending with our Vision Sunday, that you don't escape a situation going, man, I got out of that by the skin of my teeth. No, I'm praying that God delivers you, that he himself causes you to walk right and put you on the path of freedom so that you move forward into all God's plan and purpose for 2024. There's such a big difference between escaping and deliverance. God delivered Peter. He was in prison. The church was praying and God delivered him. And I'm praying that God would, you know, Really, really, that, that, that he does some things in your life in this season that only he can do. Well, I, I don't have faith for that, Mark. Listen to me. When you're in a church and we come together, a church that prays, then the same God that delivered uh, Peter in this situation, the same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that, that took out a giant with a small stone, the same God that fed 5,000 with some bread and fish, the same God that sent his only son to die on the cross and pay for the sins of the world and then had the power to get him up back out of the grave and come to life three days later is the same God that is working today. It is the same God that is working in this moment. And I want you to know he can work in your life. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't see God's work. Well, the church didn't either. Because while they were praying, God, listen to me, wasn't talking to them. He was sending an angel to Peter. Did you hear me? And just because you don't see God moving doesn't mean that he isn't working on your behalf. Just because you don't see God and he isn't updating you on how he's orchestrating everything doesn't mean that he isn't speaking to the angel and sending him down to go work and orchestrate the situation on your behalf. The Bible tells us that Peter was set free and he went to the place they were praying. I don't have time to read it. But the Bible goes on to tell us that he showed up at the door and he knocked and the servant girl went to answer and when she heard his voice, she ran back to everybody. She didn't even answer the door. She just ran back. She told those praying, hey, Peter, he, you know, he's here. He's, he's at the front door. Now they had been praying earnestly, praying and calling on heaven for him to be released and they go, hey, girl, you've got to be crazy. You know, these Giant men of faith didn't believe that God had answered their prayer. Isn't that us? They said it must be a ghost. In that culture, they believed that after someone had died, their ghost remained on earth for three days. I don't know if they believed that, but that was the custom. So they were saying, hey, he must already be dead. And you're seeing his ghost. But Peter kept knocking 
And they eventually let him in and he calmed everybody down and told them what had happened. So I want to say to you at the beginning of 2024, when the church prays, don't be surprised when God answers. When we have our seven days of prayer and fasting, don't you dare be surprised when God moves in situations. This year, as was said by, I think it was Jan, every morning from Monday to Saturday, 6.30 to 7, we will gather here and we will pray together. If you can, I want to challenge you. Come join us. Peter may have been in prison, but the church prayed. I may have a diagnosis I don't want, but the church is praying. We may be fighting again and I stepped on the couch last night, but the church is praying. I took a hit. Man, it was a hard hit. You know, I promised myself I'll never do that again. But the church is praying. And when the church prays, God moves. And when God moves, don't be surprised. Amen. God moves. Prayer is powerful. Amen. Did you receive the word today? I believe the best is yet to come. 